Ukrainians. Identity and Dignity podcast is on the air. Within the last few weeks, the world has unveiled Ukrainians as a nation of courageous and indomitable people who relentlessly struggle for their freedom. We showed our enemy what they should expect if they jeopardize our dignity. A core value of Ukrainians. A lot of people worldwide now follow the news from Ukrainian hotspots. But we believe that without understanding our identity and the circumstances that formed us, the world won't be able to understand us enough, which will limit the prospects of support and cooperation. So what makes us who we are? What is the bottom line of the Ukrainian people's dignity? In this podcast we will tell you about the milestones which form our identity and make us a part of the European community. Today we continue to tell the story of Donbass. Observe its evolution from peaceful region of Ukraine to the key hotspot on the battlefield. The long-lasting fight pursuits. Will the truth be on our side? Nestle conveniently and listen. We are beginning. Let's review the events of the past. Did anything signal about Russian invasion into the Donbass region by 2014? We have a list of the facts that bluntly flag the preparation of Russia for invasion. The aim of Moscow and its successors, the Russian Empire, the Soviet Union and the Russian Federation is to prevent the formation of an independent and sovereign Ukrainian state. First thing first, we have to admit, and I've already talked of that, the collapse of the USSR was the greatest geopolitical catastrophe of the century. It is how Putin reflected on that topic. The mindset of the Russian elites can be summed up in a short formula. To renovate the greatness of the Russian Federation, which is a historical successor of the USSR, we have to regain control over the lost territories of the USSR, over Ukraine in particular. Restoration of control over Kyiv is Russia's vital interest because Kyiv is the mother of Russian cities. Look out, this is a common Russian propaganda narrative. Russia stole Ukrainian history. So for Russia, losing Ukraine means losing the European origins and greatness. Besides, democratic Ukraine is an ideological threat to the Russian authoritarian regime. In 2008, during the NATO-Bucharest summit, Putin told US President George Walker Bush You see, George, Ukraine is not a state at all. What is Ukraine? Part of its territory is Eastern Europe, and a major part is a gift from Russia. Then Putin hinted if Ukraine joins NATO, it will go without Crimea and the East. It will simply fall apart and cease to exist. Since 2008, the Kremlin has begun propaganda preparations for aggression against Ukraine. Russia carried out propaganda campaigns and special information operations in mass media, on television and the Internet. The main task of a Russian propaganda machine in the Western world was to prove the artificiality of the Ukrainian nation and the inferiority of the Ukrainian state. In Ukraine, Russia spread myths about legal unity and brotherhood of Ukrainians and Russians, as well as myths about the oppression of the Russian language population in Ukraine. 
Russian society was infected with the ideas of Russian great power chauvinism, imperialism, inferiority of the other peoples compared to the most spiritual in the world Russian people, orthodox fundamentalism. In 2008, Russia undertook comprehensive measures to prepare for the armed aggression against Ukraine. Since 2010, Russian military intelligence, GRU and FSB, the two security agencies and the main successors to the former Soviet KGB, have even intensified their exploration and preparation for future hostilities in the east and south of Ukraine. Russia and the state agency of its special services in the state bodies of Ukraine took systematic measures to disintegrate the Ukrainian security and defense sector. In 2009, a prominent Ukrainian political expert Volodymyr Horbulin wrote in his article The taming of Kyiv should be considered the key task of Russian foreign policy. The aggressive policy of the Kremlin towards Ukraine is not caused by the actions of Kyiv, but by the needs of Russia. That is, even a radical change in Ukraine's political course will not lead to a significant correction of Russian policy and will not cancel already defined goals. The attack on Kyiv will unfold in the near future and will be decisive and merciless. On the Maidan, during the Revolution of Dignity, there was a strong presentiment of the future war. We covered this topic in our first episode. There were anti-Russian banners placed on the revolutionary Christmas tree, created by protesters. Their main message was that Ukraine must get out of the Russia's sphere of influence. After the Revolution of Dignity, in 2014, mass hysteria unfolded in the Russian media with slogans about the fascist coup in Kyiv, the illegal Kyiv junta and the urgent need to save the Russian-speaking population of Ukraine from the enraged fascists. For the political justification of the Russian invasion, Viktor Yanukovych, who fled to Russia, addressed Putin on March 1, 2014, a month before the invasion. On March 4, 2014, the representative of the Russian Federation in the UN Security Council, Churkin, stated during its meeting, the President of Russia has received the following appeal from President of Ukraine Viktor Yanukovych. I am quoting. As the legally elected President of Ukraine, I declare. The events on the Maidan, the illegal seizure of power in Kyiv led to the fact that Ukraine is on the brink of a civil war. Chaos and anarchy reign in the country. In this regard, I appeal to Russian President Vladimir Vladimirovich Putin with a request to use the armed forces of the Russian Federation to restore law, peace, law and order, stability and protect the population of Ukraine. Here we have to remind you the main chronology of the Russian-Ukrainian war in Donbass since the very beginning. How it all was launched? Russian Spring. It is what Russians call pro-Russian protest in the east and the south of Ukraine from the February 2014. The protest, encouraged by Russians and pro-Russian political forces, became a conflict with callings for the declaration of new states on the territory of Ukraine and their further unification with Russia. It seems like we have heard this earlier, haven't we? Simultaneously, the same scenario took place in Crimea in 2014. 
However, Ukraine was ready for such event to occur due to the Crimean experience. The largest protests were held in Odessa, Kharkiv, Zaporizhia, Donetsk and Luhansk. Fortunately, separatists were mainly stopped thanks to the pro-Ukrainian forces and the actions of the Ministry of Internal Affairs. Out of all cases, two are the most known. First one concerns the protests in Odessa on March 2nd of 2014, where 48 activists from pro-Ukrainian and Moscow finance sites died as a consequence of the fights. Most victims of the fights died in the local trade union building because of the fire. Later on, the investigation found out that the building was set on fire as a part of provocations fueled by Russia. Before the protest rose up, Russians were actively sending FSB spies to organize the provocations. The second one was a seizure of the Kharkiv Region Administration Building in March and the declaration of the so-called KNR Kharkiv People Republic in April 2014. However, the special forces from Vinnytsia quickly freed the building and neutralized the terrorists. The situation in the Donbass region at that time on the country was calmer. Though eventually the terrorists, Moscow finance separatists and the Russian special forces seized police stations in Slovyansk and Kramatorsk starting the procedure on 9 April 2014. There they captured weapons which were used for storming governmental buildings. Soon such terrorist groups took control over the big cities in the Donbass region and mostly the whole Donetsk and Lugansk oblast. As a response, the Ukrainian authorities proposed autonomous status for these territories to resolve the conflict. However, the terrorists renounced the proposal and it evolved into the Ukrainian anti-terrorist operation. The goal of the ATO was to stop terrorists who hit Ukrainian sovereignty and seized parts of the Ukrainian territory. The illegal encroachment on Ukraine led to the declaration of the self-proclaimed internationally condemned republics LPR and DPR. In the summer of 2014, the Ukrainian army, together with the National Guard, police, volunteer battalions and border guards, started an active offensive. During the first days of July, Ukrainian forces liberated such big cities as Slovyansk, Severodonetsk, Kramatorsk and Mariupol. Afterwards, the battle for Donetsk and Luhansk was started. Ukrainian troops managed to take control of the regional center suburbs and the strategically important airports of Donetsk and Luhansk. Then the key mission was to encircle the cities. And this very moment, during the period of the active offensive of the Ukrainian forces, Russians shot down the Malaysian Airlines MH17 plane on 17th July 2014. 298 people died as a result of this military crime. Since the Russian army was losing, Moscow charged Kyiv with shooting down the aircraft, inciting the myth about allegedly civil war. The move was to put the burden of the tragedy of the MH17 on Ukraine and undermine the trust of the international community. But this trick didn't work out for Russia.
Since 38 Australians and 196 Dutch citizens died because of the tragedy, the countries wanted justice to be ruled. On the basis of the criminal investigation, the Dutch Public Prosecution Service took the decision in July 2019 to prosecute the suspects. Russia denied its involvement and withdrew from negotiations with Australia and the Netherlands in October 2020. However, in March 2022, Australia and the Netherlands have launched new legal proceedings against Russia through the International Civil Aviation Organization for the downing of Malaysia Airlines flight MH17. The country says they have overwhelming evidence that the flight was shot down by a book missile system, known abroad as a SA-11 get fly, transported from Russia to the occupied territories of Donbass. There is a valid proof for that, and we saw it right on the day the tragedy occurred. When Malaysia Airlines plane went down, Igor Girkin, who is also known by his pseudonym Igor Strelkov, Russian former FSB officer, posted a statement on Russia's largest social network Vkontakte, where he took the responsibility for the attack, saying we warned you to avoid our skies. The post was later deleted. Some say the separatists mistook the Malaysia plane for a Ukrainian aircraft. But it might have been a hello to the international community that was punching Russia with sanctions and wanted to help Ukraine. Seemingly, Russians were astonished by the success of Ukrainian forces. That is why they decided not only to jeopardize the Ukrainian reputation, but also help its terrorists and Russia-backed separatists to its regular army. According to the official reports of the general staff of the Ukrainian armed forces, at least Eight Russian battalions, or about 4,000 people, crossed the Ukrainian border. What is more, the artillery fired directly from the territory of Russia. It made the tourists feel safe because the Ukrainian troops didn't strike Russian territory back. So Russians brutally committed war crimes to Ukrainians with impunity over several months and years. As the close of 2015, the sites announced a holiday ceasefire that went into effect on December 23. Sadly, combined Russian separatist forces disregarded the ceasefire and launched attacks within a few hours. We have witnessed a spike in hostile acts against the SMM. Just five days ago, on January 16, an SMM vehicle came under a small arms fire in Marinka. The shots were fired from the direction of separatist positions. On January 8, in Horlivka, DPR members forced SMM monitors to the ground, searched them and briefly detained them in a military building. On January 4, near Troitske, LPR members threatened to shoot SMM monitors if they did not leave the area. Witness OSC later on. As the time passed, Russian attack became more and more extensive and the regular army managed to stop Ukrainian forces to a point for a while. The war's Ukrainian defeat was the Ilovaisk encirclement in August 2014. Almost 1,300 Ukrainian soldiers wound up in the encirclement as four Russian battalions had moved forward Ilovaisk to entrap Ukrainian armed forces. And when terrorists, along with Russian regular army, were to allegedly open the Green Corridor, Ukrainian columns of troops were shot from deadly tanks 
mortars, grenade launchers and firearms. 368 Ukrainian militaries were killed as a result of the battle for Ilovaisk. This was the very edge, so it prompted Ukraine to sign the notorious Minsk agreements. I mostly remember the Green Corridor. It was a massive fire toward our side. We were being shot. The equipment, as well as the people, were scattered to pieces. Remember those somber pages in the Russian-Ukrainian war, a veteran of the battle for Ilovaisk, Alexander Fedorchenko. Both sides agreed to a ceasefire in September 2014. Even though Kyiv has been trying to stop the war since June, the Russians continued their offensive and stopped only when the Minsk agreement was signed by Ukraine, Russia and the OSCE. We'll review this document more thoroughly in our following episode. Due to the protocol, the terrorists were supposed to give up their weapons and Russian forces had to leave Ukraine so that local elections could be held and Donetsk along with Luhansk Oblast have special status. However, the agreements turned out to be efficient only in terms of the temporary ceasefire. The occupants regularly broke the truce and continued on fighting that remained concentrated in the Donbass region. Also, both sides mostly stuck to the 30km zone of the powerful weapons withdrawal. The most atrocious violation of the Minsk agreement was the fighting for Donetsk airport and an offensive on Debaltseve. There, the aggressor used all kinds of weapons. The battle for Donetsk airport became a legendary emblematic historical page for all the Ukrainians. Ukrainian army defended the airport for 252 days. Note that Ukrainian forces were not going to withdraw and Russian forces used heavy shelling on the building. This shelling caused the strategic air traffic control tower to collapse to be completely destroyed. The concrete could not stand it, but the Ukrainian soldiers preserved until it was possible. People call the defenders of the airport cyborgs, since what human being is capable of such a heroic, eloquent act? Though after the battle for Donetsk airport and Debaltseva finished, the fire of the Russian-Ukrainian war was slightly extinguished, as Minsk agreements were enforced. According to them, the demarcation line was defined for key spots – Luhansk, Debaltseva, Donetsk and Mariupol. Also, it wasn't that efficient since the fight still was continuing within Debaltseva, the spot where Russian hybrid forces were hugely concentrated. Due to this violation, Ukrainians had to withdraw and lose control over 1,500 kilometers of their sovereign territory. Since that moment, a slight status quo prevailed and the demarcation lie was relevant until gloomy 24th February 2022. Ukraine started to live a relatively mundane life, and news from the front line sometimes was taken to a second plan in the media. Kyiv actively integrated with the EU and held reforms, but abandoned Moscow-based regime was thriving on occupied territories. There, the level of life became critically low compared to the pre-war one. The devastated natural resources, the isolationist policies and the pro-Russian choice opened a real door to the Russian world. Despite many negotiations, the conflict remained unchanged up to 21 February 2022. On this day, Putin recognized DPR and LPR as sovereign states.
it was a warming signal for the entire Ukraine. Therefore, the Minsk agreements became nothing but toilet paper for him. The events of the day were the main casus belli for special operation, which was started on 24th February 2022. In fact, Russia has been preparing the informational background for a full-scale invasion of Ukraine for eight years, feeding its citizens with propaganda about the fictional scenes of Ukrainians. For instance, for years the Russian military, together with terrorists, bombed the civilians on territories of Donbass, controlled by them while blaming Ukraine. Russians also rigged the referendum, which allegedly testified to the desire of Donbass residents to separate from Ukraine. And the Russians, as we have already mentioned, have repeatedly accused the Ukrainian side of constant non-compliance with the Minsk agreements. Also, in fact, it was the Russians and the terrorists who violated them. Therefore, recognizing DPR and Alpyr as sovereign states is only the final stage of many years of attempts by Russians to legitimize a possible full-scale military invasion of Ukraine. We'll talk about fakes the Kremlin spread about Ukraine and how they help Putin declare war on Ukrainians as a nation. It would be the gripping page of the story of Donbass, we promise. Glory to Ukraine!